Hello, and welcome to the Beyond Borders podcast, the podcast that explores topics related to international trade. This podcast is brought to you by Buckland. For over 70 years, Buckland has been working to help companies across the world experience global trade in a better way. As a customer-focused company, we provide you with a single source of unmatched customs brokerage, trade-managed solutions, freight forwarding, trade technologies, and warehousing and distribution services. I'm your host, Jenny Kaus, Corporate Marketing Manager here at Buckland, and today I'm speaking with our special guest, Pauline Caulero. Pauline is Buckland's Chief Revenue Officer and is responsible for leading sales and revenue growth strategies and initiatives to achieve the company's short and long-term goals. Pauline began her career at Buckland in 2017 and has extensive experience working with privately held organizations in a variety of industries to establish a strong culture and operating principles that drive results. With over a decade of experience in customs and logistics, she has a dynamic portfolio to support Buckland's growth. In addition to this, Pauline also has created a successful franchise in the health and wellness industry, which continues to flourish. Pauline holds a BA from the University of Toronto, as well as an MBA from York University. Thank you so much for joining me on the Beyond Borders podcast again. Thanks for having me, Jenny. So the last time you joined me, we spoke about the five commitments, and that's part of the collaborative way framework. So if people are curious about that, check out the last podcast. So as we mentioned, we are shifting gears a bit by having discussions that are a bit outside of the scope of what we usually talk about on this podcast. Usually we talk about matters related to international trade. However, it's great today to have a chance to discuss this because it gives people a little window into what it is that makes Buckland different as a partner for your business and also as an employer. So we are going to be talking today about a book that is called The Art of Possibility by Rosamund Stone Zander and Benjamin Zander. So I'll just read from the cover of the book. It is described in the following way. The dynamic product of an extraordinary partnership, The Art of Possibility, combines Benjamin Zander's experience as a conductor of the Boston Philharmonic and his talent as a teacher and communicator with Rosamund Stone Zander's genius for creating innovative paradigms for personal and professional fulfillment. The author's harmoniously interwoven perspectives provide a deep sense of the powerful role that the notion of possibility can play in every aspect of life. Through uplifting stories, parables, and personal anecdotes, the Zanders invite us all to become passionate communicators, leaders, and performers whose lives radiate possibility into the world. So the reason that we're discussing this book in particular today, Pauline, is that at the beginning of 2019, this book was provided to everyone here at Buckland, and we went to each of the offices along with the group, and we talked about this book with our teams and the concepts that are so applicable to our lives and our work. Um, So throughout the year, we've kept this conversation going and we've kept this exploration alive with a deeper dive each month into one of the 12 concepts um, or practices, as they call it, with our teams. There's so many great ideas in this book, so we thought it would be fitting to share some of these gems that we came across with our listeners. Um, And as such, Pauline, you've joined me today to talk about this on this episode. So, Pauline, I remember at the beginning of last year, uh, I remember sitting when we were talking about this book, and you actually got on the phone with Benjamin Zander, 
And uh, so tell me about that and about your conversation with him about this book and us using this approach. Yeah, I mean, it was a dynamic conversation, actually. Uh, Mr. Zander is quite passionate about the work that he's sharing and also Mm -hmm. the fact that it can make a difference in organizations. And really was, I was quite inspired by the way in which he was excited about us utilizing it internally within our organization, was quite interested in how and what and wanted to follow up with us. Yeah. But um, for those of you who have not seen, Benjamin Zander actually has a wonderful TED Talk. Mm Mm-hmm on the art of possibility. Um, and I and just encourage you to watch it and yeah. you can kind of get a sense of the flavor of the conversation that I had with him on the phone that day. And I'll definitely link up to that in the show notes as well, because it's, it's worth it to, I think, put a face to the name with him. He really is an interesting character and, um, has some really cool, uh, approaches to things. And it was, it was really nice to hear from him that he was so excited that we were going to be using this as well. And I think that that helped us have that passion for it uh, as we took it forward to our teams. Um, So as we did mention a little bit earlier, the book, uh, Art of Possibility, that we're talking about, it's divided up into these 12 practices. And so what we're going to do is we are going to kind of go through them. So we'll give you an idea of what it means and and maybe what it means to us as well uh, so that you'll understand it a bit more and why it's so relevant to organizations. So the first one is it's all invented. And I'll just read a little bit of uh, a story from inside that chapter that helps to illustrate this. So a shoe factory sends two marketing scouts to a region of Africa to study the prospects for expanding business. One sends back a telegram saying, situation hopeless, stop, no one wears shoes. The other writes back triumphantly, glorious business opportunity, stop, they have no shoes. So what does this mean? So I thought that this was a really kind of interesting thing because you can take two people who saw the exact same situation in a completely different way. Um, And in this book, Rosamund Stone Zander says, the frames our minds create, define, and confine what we perceive to be possible. Every problem, every dilemma, every dead end we find ourselves facing in life only appears unsolvable inside a particular frame or point of view. So enlarge the box, create another frame around the data, and problems vanish while new opportunities appear. And I think what she's saying here really illustrates that story about the shoes so well is, you know, two people can see completely different things, that there's no market because they see no one wearing shoes, whereas maybe that is the market for shoes is that they don't even have them yet. So we have this choice and this opportunity to see things uh, differently. And, you know, the constructs we make up are, you know, kind of those that we create. So what were your thoughts around this chapter? Mm, I mean, it's all invented, really. The, um, the quote that you took from the book frames it up perfectly. It's really about looking at a situation and how do you want to see it. We often mm-hmm. hear the phrase coined, um, you know, glass half full or glass half empty. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons why we wanted to bring this forward within our organization is that there's always a different way to approach the same situation mm-hmm. and really challenging and inviting our employees and our staff members um, to look at things from a different perspective, to shift their perspective in order to get a different result. Mm-hmm. Because the same thinking that got us where we are isn't going to get us to where we need to go. Yeah. And I, I remember hearing to someone, you know, a lot of people who maybe will take more of a a negative approach on things, will say, well, I'm just being realistic. And I remember hearing someone say, 
well, you know, if we're really looking at that situation and you're using the analogy of um, glass half empty or glass half full, the person who sees it as half full is actually the person who is based in reality because they're seeing what's actually there. Whereas the person who's seeing it as half empty is focused on something imaginary, space. And so when you kind of apply a little bit of a framework like that and you say like, no, I'm focusing on what's actually there and moving from that framework to maybe see things in a little bit of a different way and and look at what the facts are. Mm. I think that that's kind of um, an interesting approach. And I think that point actually um, leads kind of nicely into the second practice, which is stepping into the universe of possibility. So this chapter explores um, what they refer to as the world of measurement versus the world of possibility. So the measurement world, as they talk about it, refers to the way we compare ourselves um, in so many ways. So you could look at anything. You could look at size of your house, where you live, your income, anything like that um, in the way that I think is just so automatic to compare um, especially in the age of social media and, and ways that make it so easy um, to compare likes or things like that. Um, but the authors urge us to shift focus from how you think about that, the world in terms of comparison, and look at how you contribute. And this is kind of how they talk about moving from our current framework into what is possible. So moving from comparison to contribution. So I think that this I think that this can be a really big mindset shift and, and they really get into it in this chapter more about how you can really change what is possible for your life and look at it in a new way. And I think this chapter was interesting for me too because I think people ha- don't realize sometimes how differently they are able to see things until maybe you read a book like this um, and see what is possible. So, and I really like this idea about contribution that they made. I thought that that was great. What were your thoughts on this chapter? Yeah, I mean, I love the comparison of how to shift the focus um, from comparing to really how can you be a contribution? How can you be up to something bigger? Mm -hmm. Versus um, the comparison for me is I'm missing this or I don't have that or I can't do this because... Mm-hmm. really a story of excuse and scarcity mm-hmm. and a mm-hmm. lot of fear versus really yes. stepping into what could be created how could you contribute to the team how could you contribute to yourself how could you contribute to your yeah. family so taking the, the the step back and looking into the universe of possibility and I know often I'll hear from staff oh well you know that's just again not realistic mm-hmm. that's just not something that's possible until it is yeah until it is. And I invite us all just to step back and take a broader look. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes I know I find for myself too with a busy day, I get very caught up in the minutia, very caught up in the weeds yep. that I can't see the full forest. So what does it look like for us to step back and see the full forest? Yeah. And I think too, I think that that's such a, a, a great point is having that bigger focus and that bigger view of where is it we're heading. Because it is so easy to just get stuck in the everyday and, you know, really focused on what's right in front of you. And I think um, a powerful kind of mindset shift, too, for people can be, you know, instead of like, oh, we can't do that. It's like, well, we haven't been able to do that in the past, but it doesn't mean that's not going to be what happens in the future. So I think that's a great one. Um, So the next practice is giving an A. 
So this practice is really about seeing the best in people, and it details a really unique approach that Benjamin Zander used with his students. And he had the students write a letter to him, but it was as if they were their future self, and it was talking about why it was they earned an A in his course. And I thought that this was a really, really cool idea. So, you know, they're, they're putting themselves in the future as if they have already attained an A and why they attained it. And this gave them a really neat way to imagine what is possible, kind of going back to what we were just talking about. And then it helped them think about what they were going to do leading up to establishing those goals. So really giving themselves that future focus and looking at what is possible for them. Um, so they kind of preemptively earn that A of, you know, whatever it was that they were going to detail how they earned that A. And all that they had left to do was embody that mindset that they needed and live through the principles that they talked about in their letter. So I think it was really cool because it gave them this sense that they were worthy and capable of that A. And, you know, he also talks about And another way of saying this, too, is just giving people the benefit of the doubt and seeing the best in other people. And I think it's cool because it's about you seeing them that way, but then also them seeing themselves that way. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I thought that was cool. And I found this really interesting. We tried this as an assignment as well uh, internally in the company, and we actually just all got our letters back. And I know reading through mine, it it was really interesting to see what was on your mind at that time of the year. This was March we talked about this. And I'm, I'm hoping it was the same for others, but what yeah, did you absolutely. think? I mean, these principles all build on each other, like the practices. Mm-hmm. So giving yourself an A really is about creating that future that you're going to live into. Mm-hmm. And by creating that framework, the expectation is, and what we should probably do is even survey to, to see where did our staff land. Yeah. But it's such a beautiful practice. And, and as we move into the beginning of the new year, as you know, at the time of this podcast we're at the end of 2019 December we're moving into January 2020 how powerful would it be for you to sit down and actually write what would it look like for yourself to get an A in the year of 2020 and then reviewing that letter and um, really lining up with your accomplishments but that act of stating that this is what I'm going to accomplish this is what I'm going to stand for this is who I'm going to be Mm -hmm. provides you with the freedom then to fulfill on that yeah And it's something I think we do more naturally as companies. Uh, We forecast, we plan, we have vision statements. Um, But often in our lives and, and in our personal work lives and in our home lives, a lot of us don't take the time to really do that kind of forecasting. And I think it's so important in terms of setting some intention because life is going to happen one way or another, we might as well kind of set the course of where we want to go. So I think that that's a a pretty powerful assignment. And I think that's a great idea uh, to do that as well. Because it's, you know, a year can go by so fast. It really can. Yeah, especially this past year. Wow. Um, So next uh, is practice four, and that is being a contribution. So we did uh, talk about this a little bit as well in terms of how you make that shift from the the world of comparison to the world of contribution. And they go through, they give you um, what they call kind of the steps towards this uh, practice, which I think is cool. So they say, um, number one is declare yourself to be a contribution. So you're saying, yes, I'm a contribution. And then they say, throw yourself into life 
as someone who makes a difference, accepting that you may not understand how or why. And I think that that is a really important part as well. Um, and it's, I think that it's a mindset shift that if made has a lot of power um, because you see yourself as not just what's in something for you, but what you're doing for others as well, which I think relevant in personal life, relevant in professional life, and so important uh, in a company. And and the part that I thought was interesting, the you might not understand how or why. We don't always see what the benefits are of that um, as we're doing these things. And you don't always know what the impact is, especially if you're doing things for someone else. Mm-hmm. You don't know how that's impacting them. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's pretty cool. What were your thoughts around this one? I mean, it's a critical piece of the tapestry of an organization working mm-hmm. on a team. Yeah. I mean, I'll say it's the, it would be the glue that allows a highly functional and highly performing, pardon me, performing team to actually um, win. Yeah. And to win in a way that feels good for everyone. Feels absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So next up is practice five, and that is leading from any chair. So we, I think, I think that this concept is one that was, uh, really easy to understand. Um, and I think really relatable. And I loved the one quote from Benjamin Zander around leadership. And it was the conductor's power depends on his ability to make other people powerful. And I thought that this was just so great. And, um, a point from the book about leadership was that leaders need to ask themselves what makes their teams become engaged rather than how good they themselves are. So if you are reading the book, that's on pages 68 to 70, and it's definitely an interesting concept in terms of leadership. Um, but the the thing that Benjamin Zander talked about in this chapter was he wanted a way to give his orchestra members to share their voice. So he put a blank piece of paper on each stand at the rehearsals, and he invited them to write down thoughts, observations, Um, even like coaching for him to help him be better at what he's doing so that they could play the music more beautifully. So I thought that was a really cool idea. And, um, and it's something that we tried as well. And it was a great way to get people's feedback. And you just never know what amazing ideas people have until you ask them and you give them a chance to be a leader and share their amazing ideas. Um, And the other thing Benjamin talked about too, which I thought was so cool was that he had this idea for, um, there was, so there are all kind of go through, there was a fellow conductor and this conductor was having trouble getting the results that he wanted with his musicians. And in a moment of awkwardness and embarrassment, he asked a visiting colleague to step in and conduct with the excuse of wanting to go to the back and hear what the orchestra sounded like from the back of the room. So following this, um, an orchestra member talked about how they played differently knowing that they could be the one called upon to lead if they were in that situation. So I thought that this was a cool idea too because when someone, a team member puts themselves in that position of leadership, they are going to act differently mm-hmm. knowing what it's like to be in those shoes. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that was kind of an interesting exercise too because I think a lot of times employees you know, if they see themselves as separate from their leadership and maybe don't understand the things that go into that, that can become uh, limiting. So I think that's a cool idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 
One of the things I love about this exercise is um, the leading from any chair is that what also happens is the audience creates the performer. Mm-hmm. And so when someone else is given the opportunity to lead, it's interesting how they then also show up for their leaders. Yeah. Because they have now been in that chair. Yes. Which is such an important piece. And I'll say it again, the audience creates the performer. Mm -hmm. So if the audience is, you know, checked out, laid back, not engaged, then the performance will be meh. Yeah. Average. Just like if the manager has a team that's checked out, disengaged, then the manager's performance will be average. Yeah. Even if it's a high performing individual normally. Yeah. So it's really important that we understand the concept of leading from any chair and we exercise it. Absolutely. I thought that was really cool. And they, they had a neat story too, where they talked about two different orchestras and the, the orchestras ended up teaching each other. And it was in such an interesting way because they were so concerned about not being able to learn the pieces in time. But then when they spent the time teaching each other, it actually brought them all up so much as a group um, because it brought out the leader in all of them, which changed the way they played. And I just thought that that was such a, such a really interesting take on it. And I mean, even though this book talks a lot about orchestras, it's so easy and clear to see the parallels that unless everybody is playing not only their best, but in awareness of what each other's doing and together, mm-hmm. like the, there's so many parallels to these two things. And I think at first blush, a lot of people might think that this book isn't applicable to their workplace because it's about an orchestra, but these concepts are universal. Absolutely. So the next practice and chapter is called rule number six and kind of the in parentheses to this, it is don't take yourself so seriously. So I'm going to read a little excerpt from the book that illustrates how they came up with this. Um, And it was two prime ministers sat in a room discussing affairs A man interrupts them with fury, shouting and mayhem. Peter, the resident minister says, remember, rule number six. This stops the furious man instantly, and he is replaced with a calm version of himself. Upon returning to the conversation, the two are interrupted yet again. This time, it is a hysterical woman. The resident minister repeats himself. Remember, rule number six. The woman coolly exits the room apologizing. The scene is repeated a third time, and at this point, the second minister is left confused. I've seen many things in my life, but never never anything as remarkable as this. What is the secret of rule number six? The other one says, very simple, rule number six, don't take yourself so seriously. So after pondering, the second minister agrees that it's a, a fine rule, and he asks about rules number one to five, And the resident minister laughs and says, there aren't any. Mm -hmm. And I thought this was really cool. Um, And the chapter kind of goes on to talk about this. And it it all comes back to the same idea of don't take yourself so seriously. And I think a lot of times the things that we get maybe stressed, worked up about, when we really think about it, taking a step back and remembering rule number six, to not take yourself so seriously is is really truly great perspective. Yeah, and it's a, it's an important thing mm-hmm. to remember because we can get so caught up in the importance of or create things mm-hmm. as very significant and this is just so important and get so attached to things that it doesn't allow us the space really to be present and to be dealing with what actually is happening. Yeah. And so it's a vital role 
I would say in ensuring that you have the, the mindset that allows you to continue to move your role, your conversation, your action, your project forward. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it can be so easy when we're in our own little world of thinking that the thing that we're on about is the most important thing um, and that it's very serious. Um, but often having that perspective, taking a step back, um, can do wonders. So I thought that, that that this chapter was really good. And I think um, something that can make a big difference when we're looking at obstacles at work, problems that we're facing, is to remember to take a step back and maybe not take it so seriously. So I thought that that was a good one. And with that conclusion of the discussion of practice six, we are going to end the first half of this conversation about the art of possibility. We'll be back next time to explore the last half of this book and the final six practices. That's the Beyond Borders podcast for today. Thank you so much for listening and thank you to our guest, Colleen Caballero, for joining us and discussing the art of possibility. If you are looking for more resources related to international trade, check out buckland.com and click on the learning section across the top of the website. Here you'll find a range of resources, including learning guides, webinars, and podcasts. Our downloadable learning guides include IncoTerms charts, common trade terminology, how to avoid border delays, and many more. We also host live monthly webinars and invite you to sign up online to secure your spot for an informative presentation followed by a live Q&A session. The best way to keep up to date on all of these resources is through our weekly newsletter. We send out a newsletter every Wednesday containing our latest information as well as a roundup of the latest trade news delivered straight to your inbox. You can sign up for our newsletter anywhere on the bottom of our website on any page. If you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to us through our website's Contact Us page, or you can check us out on Twitter, where our handle is at Buckland Tweets, on our LinkedIn company page, or on Instagram at Buckland Insta. Thank you for listening to the Beyond Borders podcast, and be sure to tune in again and subscribe for more great conversations about importing, exporting, and everything else in the world of logistics and international trade.